welcome to In Other Words. I am your host of In Other Words, Susan Scher. I have a guest today that I have had before, Bob Clendenin. Bob, how are you? Susan, it's so nice to hear your voice. How are you? I'm great. And you're doing good? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. You're welcome. I figure anybody who has a family and is working at what they want to do is doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That's a great way of thinking of it. Okay. So you're fine. Now, as I said, you can find the previous interview with Bob on um, on Podbean. You can also find it in iTunes. I just don't know how to find it in iTunes, but it is there. In other words, talk radio. Anyway, Bob is one of those... Well, first of all, he's a character actor. You're not going to see him as the romantic lead. But the character acting is so much more fun. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree. I think you have a lot more... Uh, a lot more directions that you can head and and different little parts of uh, your psyche to draw on. And yeah, I, I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't have a choice, but I still wouldn't want it any other way. And listeners, let me spell his name for you. Bob, pretty easy. C-L-E-N-D-E-N-I-N. And you can find him on IMDb. What is that? Internet Movie Database? Is that what that stands Correct, for? Correct, right. Okay. And I and finally, um, I'll put in a plug, I finally got my website together, which is robertclendenon.com, but that's got all my commercial work on it yes. and um, theatrical clips and stuff like that. Uh, and photographs that, oh, oh, definitely, if only just for the pictures, because <laughs> when he says he's sort of the quirky one, he has more or less made a life out of being the creepy dude. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the one that you notice is peeking in the window. Um, <laughs> right. Or lives uh, in the basement of his mother's house. <laughs> I know there are a lot of people who do that, but we're talking the quintessential creepy one who does that. And there are just some wonderful pictures in there. Oh, thank you. You're thank welcome. Thank you very much. And you'll see a lot of them. I love this in drag. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, that is right. Oh, that's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, Cougar Town. What season did you join Cougar Town? I got very lucky. I came in as a guest star towards the end of the first season, and it was supposed to be just one episode. But the timing was very fortunate in my favor because that was when they were really trying to move away from the whole cougar aspect into a different sort of more like friends aged friends with wine and then and that's when i i was fortunate enough to have the weird neighbor character come in and they thought (laughs) oh we can we can move in this direction so you're crediting timing with this now listeners i want you to understand that bob is giving timing all the credit and that is not the case timing helped i have no doubt but when you come in as a guest star and end up a regular, you have been impressive as hell and fun to work with. Well, thank now, you. you're welcome. But that's, that's a fact, though, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, yes. Yeah. And, and one thing a lot of listeners don't get 
is that if they don't like you as a person, you're out. Yeah. Well, especially at the guest star. Now, and all of this is to say, listeners, that most guest stars, most people, most stars, period, are great people. Yes. I get very frustrated when people are surprised that this star was nice. Well, yeah, that's the rule, not the exception. And when they take you from a guest star to a regular, <laughs> that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fair and, and absolutely accurate. Yeah. That. Oh, you know what? Before we talk more about. Um, your television and movie stuff, I want to talk a little about how you got to be who you are now. Okay. Um, you went to Cornell and got what engineering degree, right? I did, yeah, believe it or not. Any, not a, any particular not, not reason? I've uh, just always been a math and science guy. So engineering seemed like a, a normal route to take, but I didn't feel um, when I got there – as great as the instruction was, it wasn't lighting much of a fire. And so I just did a play to kind of as a release. And I just felt in love with the people um, and the process. And uh, it, then it just continued from there. And I tried to do more and more. And I tried to take as many acting classes as I could while still staying in the engineering school. And then when I finally graduated, I, I thought, well, I'll give this, I'll give it a shot. And I've been encouraged by some of the the professors in the theater department that um, it might be a, a good route to go, and so that's when I went to graduate school for for acting. It was a three-year MFA program, and I adored it. It was just a, a perfect place for me. They had to pry me away from there because I didn't want to leave. <laughs> and this is in spite of your first foray into acting. Uh, you, um, when you were what, 11, you went, your family moved to Melbourne, Australia? Correct, yes. And you oh, attended, yes. Yeah, you attended the Melbourne, Melbourne Church of, English, oh. of, of England Boys Grammar School, and then Correct. the bio says, yes, it was as relaxed and free-spirited as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, not a good match for you. And your first audition, school production of Death of a Salesman, uh -huh. The director said, I only wish I could put your accent on someone who can act. Now, I don't care if that's really what he thought. There is no excuse for saying that. How, how brutal is that to a, I think, probably 15-year-old at the time? Yeah. Um, just, just awful. Anyway, let's go back to uh, your MFA because you got very into improv there. I did. And, Actually, I got and, into improv at Cornell. Oh. Um, one of my friends from college, best friends there, he and I were handed um, a, this organization at uh, Cornell. It's a student organization. It's called Whistling Shrimp. And they had funding that, uh, as a student activity. They got $200 a year from the university or something. And it was enough to, to make flyers and, to, and, and you know, uh, do a little publicity. The guys that had the, the organization before us, they graduated and said, hey, do you guys want the Whistling Shrimp thing? You can turn it into whatever you want. And Lee, my friend, and I said, we would love it, and we're going we're gonna to start a college improv troupe. And I, didn't, I hadn't done really any improv. Lee had. He helped me through it, and we uh, auditioned, you know, a little company. We got to put a company of six or seven other um, 
new novice improvisers together, and then we started doing shows, and I loved it, just loved it. And as you know, I'm sure from, from your work in auditioning, that like to, to have a, an improv background as an actor, even if you're not doing, you know, sketch comedy and stuff on it, is, is really invaluable, especially now. There's commercially oh, yeah. and theatrically, it's just such a, a great skill to have um, in the audition room. It seems that it has stood you in, in at least as good stead as most people because of the kind of work you do. Oh, wait, before we get to that, meant to ask you this last time and didn't. The giant nose. Tell us about the giant nose. Oh, you're picking a scab here. Um, Okay, so um, this is going to be a very deep, dark memory, and if I break down during the course of it, I apologize. Um, Okay, I'll edit that part out if you do. I I had just finished my MFA, and like most people who finish – a program like that, I was remarkably full of myself. Um, <laughs> I just thought I was, you know, God's gift to the stage. And um, the first job I got out of <laughs> grad school was um, in this children's production. It was a touring production of um, a short story called The Nose, which is actually kind of an interesting short story by Gogol, but that it had been converted into a um, a, a a children's production, and it's kind of an interesting little story. And but it's going to be a three-month gig. There were a couple. There were a couple, you know, upsides to this. Um, so I was going to get my equity membership, and I was going to be getting paid, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week to act, which was sounded great. But I'm also going to be the the giant nose. And we're touring Humbling, to say the least. Middle, correct. Middle schools and elementary schools in Pennsylvania. And I think we even dipped into Ohio a couple times. We were in a van. There were th- it, was like, it was three actors and a stage manager. And we would go to, you know, a, an elementary school uh, in wherever, middle of Pennsylvania, set up with our little flats do the show, which is about half an hour, talk with the kids, move on to it, and maybe get a second show in in the afternoon somewhere else. Um, and I'm playing a giant nose. Now, the thing that eventually <laughs> became a little taxing with this is, you know, you're just being constantly mocked, especially in middle schools were the worst. I would get pelted <laughs> with rubber bands and um, paper clips. The kids would taunt me as we're, as we're loading in. And keep in mind, so I'm still, you know, coming off this high of thinking I'm, I'm, you know, Olivier at a grad school, and now I'm carting this giant nose to a middle school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, it was a good... Home of Billy Joel. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but I think ultimately really good for me because uh, I needed to be pegged down. I think I, I you know, when you... You, you need a reality check, especially when you're coming out of like an academic environment and into the real world. Mm-hmm. And it put me back in my place a little bit and put and let me know where I was on the food chain. Um, so there were some there were some good things that came out of it, but it was three months of kind of uh, kind of hell. And I should explain just visually so people know it, this was like one of those um, almost like a mascot. It was a giant foam nose but my face poked out the top of it and my and my arms came out the side so i could still 
gesture, and you could see my face and facial expressions, um, but uh, I'm, I'm waddling around in a nose. It's probably maybe four and a half feet high and three Bob feet wide. Bob is 6'2", so you know. Right. So, so yeah, so it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if people can get that visual, but it's, um, it's humbling. <laughs> I can. Your, your word humbling, I think, is probably the best way to, to summarize. Well, I've got to tell you, my own personal theory is that you're never going to really grow in a field until you have been humbled, until you don't think you know everything. Yeah. So in a way... You were lucky to have that happen so early in your career. I think so too. I think so. It, it, yeah, like I said, it's, as much as it's hard to, as hard as it was to get through it at the time, I think in in retrospect, as we look at all the life lessons we we get, um, that was a valuable one. And just even also, just just as a performer trying to get that skill of muscling through something mm. that you know is. However, however painful, you're still going on. You're still performing for, you know, in this case, kids. And you can't phone that in. You still got to do a, a, the job that you were hired to do and do it with um, as much professionalism as you can muster. Um, so I, there were a lot, of, a lot of really good lessons that came out of it. Well, I'm, I'm glad because otherwise there's really no point to it. Oh, it would just be pure bitterness on my point. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, anyway, I want to go back to improv for a second. Yeah. We said that it was very helpful in the industry. How? Because except for some shows you've done, they're usually scripted already. Correct. Yeah, I think, well, um, first off, it's extremely helpful in the commercial world. I, I don't know how much, well, we met on a commercial, but like That's how right. much you see on your end um, in audition rooms of them wanting you to They'll have some very rough ideas of how they want um, dialogue to play out, but they say, hey, feel free to, to play with it. Don't, don't be tied to it. Have fun with it, whatever. Now, it's happening far less in terms of them stealing, you know, um, uh, creative content from actors. It happens a little bit, but you can also win an audition that way. I can't tell you how many commercials I've probably gotten because they loved a, an improvised line that I threw in at the end. Or, oh, you know, yeah. um, uh, and, and, you know, they, that catches their fancy and then you end up booking a job because of it. So I think that, that's, that ability to kind of roll with a setup and just, you know, play, with, play, with, um, play around with it uh, mm -hmm. is extremely helpful in the commercial world. So anyway, I, I read somewhere that you regret giving up improv. Why don't you go back to it? We, we right. could, I, um, you know, I, uh, I, I miss it, and I see a lot of the, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who are doing the groundlings and stuff, and they're doing this amazing work. It's hard as, um, I just find it hard to balance being, uh, you know, a dad and, um, you know, doing shows at, you know, 11 p.m. is just not it really something I'm, you know, okay. yeah. <laughs> too old for that. So, um, the closest I've come was those. Um, I did several shows with a group uh, of producers here um, that were that were improvised TV shows. I did Ten Items or Less, which was uh, uh, an improvised 
store that took place or a show that took place in a grocery store that was on TBS for I think three years, and then I did a a western called Quick Quick Draw, which was on Hulu for two years, uh, and those were both fully improvised. I I, uh, I love shows. this and an improvised western. Yeah. If there it, are two I words, I wouldn't think would go together. <laughs> it was great. It was, and I I still. If people say, "Oh, what is there something of yours that you really that you're super proud of?" I would I would put that almost at the top of the list because it was so inventive. Um, some of the episodes were better than others, and some of the scenes within each episode were better than others. But that's the nature of of, of doing a show like that. Another thing I want to talk about, Bob, you said that Itchy, your bio says, spends his free time. Wait, you coach little league, audit the I did, PTA. Although, yep. Yep. Oh, oh, are they no longer in little league? Well, he got beyond my skill level. I was a ah. great coach up until about fifth grade, and then they really need somebody who know who really knows skill training. So I had to sort of step away. Yeah, audits the PTA. I am not sure how one audits the PTA, but okay. Yeah. And and spends his time being a hack carpenter. So what have you done? Yeah. Oh, I should. I wish I could send you a picture. Um, I just finished. Four beautiful Adirondack chairs, which uh, I'm oh. extremely proud of. Um, in fact, I don't know. Do you do you follow me on Instagram? I just put a picture up. I just put a picture up uh, last night because they were officially completed last night. Um, uh, so yeah, so I putter around. I I love making furniture. I um, you know I built my kid's bunk bed uh, from scratch. I sort of designed it and built it. I do a lot of the the housework, I did our floors and ceilings and stuff. So, uh, oh, and I and then I recently, thanks to my brother, um, who gave me a welding uh, class as a Christmas present, um, got into welding. And so I started making some furniture with uh, steel and reclaimed wood, which uh, came out um, pretty nicely as well. Boy, that's a brother who really knows his brother. Yes, he does. He does indeed. <laughs> It was a great, it was a great gift, and I loved it. And uh, it was a whole new world. I was a little bit scared of it at first because, you know, with those things welding, you you don't want to be cavalier or you can really hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, if you cut the board wrong, buy another board. But uh, yeah, exactly. Weld wrong, and you're in real trouble. Well, yeah, and if you drop the board, it doesn't matter. You drop a welding torch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it could be bad. True. true. It um, could be well, bad. Listen, I think we're about at our time with you. Great. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, his name is spelled, you can find him other, under Robert Clendenin or Bob Clendenin, but it's C-L-E-N-D-E-N-I-N. And look up his stuff and, and you'll find yourself going, oh, yeah, I know that. I remember that. Um, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy. So... Bob, once well, again, this has been... Susan, thank you yeah. so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's always such a pleasure talking to you, and I think we have fun conversations. So Yeah, um, right back at you. Yeah, yeah, so um, anyway, uh, that's it for today. You've been listening to In Other Words. and Okay, I'm going to try that again. You've been listening to In Other Words, and you, I'm your host of In Other Words. Boy, I am not doing well with this sign-off. Okay, <laughs> one more try. <laughs> You've been listening to In Other Words. I am Susan Scher, your host of In Other Words. You can find me at SusanScher.com, InOtherWordsGroup.com, 
or on Podbean or iTunes at In Other Words Talk Radio. So thanks so much for joining us. Join us again. Bye-bye. In other words. In other words.